that we as a church grow out of our sins and so hopefully you get tired of the up and down you know you you're great with the lord one week oh yeah man lord i love you and i can't wait to get to church and then all of a sudden you go out and 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 you got a flat tire on the car and you're like man god just hates me and and it's it's a bipolar relationship with the lord at that point it's not good it's not healthy The nature of the relationship that God desires for us to have with Him runs deeper than our daily experiences. He wants us to be established, stable, and settled in His love for us, even when everything around us seems to be falling apart. As the children of Israel welcomed the Ark of the Covenant back into the nation, Samuel brings them together to call upon them and seek the Lord. He reminds them of God's commandments, of their disobedience, and of God's willingness to forgive them if they truly repent of their sins. In today's message, Pastor Mark will remind us that the same is true of us. Surrender your life completely to God today. Well, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 7 for today's edition of Come Alive. Last week, we, we talked about the ark and, and, and weeks before how the ark represented the presence of the Lord with his people and the rule over his people. And so when God's people sin, um, he has every right to abandon them. You know, so I was talking to somebody this week, and he said, well, I don't agree with that statement. And I said, well, why, why don't you agree with it? And he says, well, I don't think God would abandon me. And I said, well, he's not. If you're saved, he's not, but he can step away. He doesn't have to hear you. And so he owes you nothing. And, you know, we looked up some scriptures, and we talked about it a little bit. And then, you know, it was like, yeah, you know, completely 100% right. And as we look at these scriptures... And in the scriptures before that God did abandon his children. And, and it goes back to kind of what we talked about yesterday in our men's study. You know, you're not that you're not accepted. You're just not acceptable. You know, it's like if your children go out in the backyard and they're playing and you've got multiple dogs and they step in something and it, the adults are on the inside having a nice meal and it smells really good in there and everybody's clean. It's a clean environment. And all of a sudden all these children run in with this stuff on because they've been playing in it and they've gotten so used to the stink that they don't even realize that it smells bad anymore. And they come in and as they start to walk in and they break the threshold of the door, all the parents are like, wait a minute, something's not right. Something's rotten in Denmark, so to speak. And so a parent gets up and finds out, wow, these kids have this mess all over them. They smell bad. And so not that they're not accepted. They're just not acceptable. They just cannot come into the house and ruin everything. So now comes the chore of cleaning them up. And though it may be cold water from the water hose that hoses them down in some soap, they may not like it. They may complain and gripe and cry that uncomfortableness of, of, of that situation they don't like. So they begin to complain about it. They begin to cry and weep because 
they, it's uncomfortable. But we'll see that this week, this day, today, how the, the world had God and the world stinks to God because there's this major situation and he plagues them. But yet his children just used him as a lucky rabbit's foot. They had sin all over them. They weren't accepted by God, though they, or they weren't acceptable to God. They were still his children. And so we see that. And last week we said the Philistines had represented or were a type of the world. And the philosophy of the Philistines and the world is a save yourself. And we saw that. By the way, they played the hot potato game with the Ark of the Covenant. And it proves something to us. And, and so we witnessed that. And then how we as Christians should have a mindset of yielding to God. Yield yourself to God. In Matthew 17, 1 through 9, Jesus is on a mountain and Moses and Elijah um, show up. Jesus proves something to the three disciples that came along, Peter, James, and John. And, and he pulls them aside to reveal himself to them. And, and he does that with us. He pulls us aside to reveal himself to us. See, they'd been with him for more than two years, and it was time for them to be taken to a higher spiritual level. And sometimes that's what the Lord does with us, and yet we have this stuff on us that doesn't allow us to be very acceptable and be able to come into that higher spiritual level because we're still messing around and playing with sin. So he proves that this surrender always leads to glory. Jesus in in Matthew 17 proves that. First the suffering, then the glory. Just like the kids, they got to suffer through the bath. How many of you have children and you tell them to take a bath and you think you just punched them in the head by the way they cry? No, not a bath. It's like, really, bro? You you smell, you know, and, and you got stuff crusted all over you. You know, the other day he took off his shoes. He goes, dad, what do you think that is? And I'm like, I think that's time for a bath. That's what that's saying. I don't know what you stepped in, but we're going to wash it off, you know. And it's like, no, 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 it's okay. I smell pretty good. And it's like, bro, it doesn't matter what you think you smell like, because when I get close, it's not good. And so Jesus says, first the suffering and then the glory. And then in Jesus' case, first the cross and then the crown. See, he went to the cross and then he got the crown. And those three disciples, James would be the first to die. John would be the last to die. And he would go through severe persecution. And Peter would experience many, many occasions of suffering and would in the end give his life for Christ. He would give his life up for Christ. And we're going to see that today, how these children of Israel here in 1 Samuel tend to do that. We're going to pick up in verse 2. And so, you know, the question I would have is, how do you and I get repaired well, we'd have to recognize that there's a problem. You know, how do you, when do you take your car to the mechanic is when you recognize that there's a problem. So we're going to see that. Verse 2, chapter 7, 1 Samuel. So it was that the ark remained in Kirjath Jerim a long time. It was there 20 years, and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. So we're going to stop. And if you're taking notes, again, you, you can write, recognizing that there is a problem. After 20 long, hard years, the Israelites recognize the condition in their hearts in comparison to what it ought to be and what it should be. They recognize something. They, they recognize their hearts are a little hardened and that there's this problem. So they see that they have sinned. How? Well, that's the work of the Spirit. We as Christians and you as a Christian should be thankful and grateful for guilt. 
Sometimes God works through guilt. I'm quite thankful that God's spirit within me doesn't allow me to get away with much. There are some things we can't go near because it's just not healthy for it, for us. And, and those things for me, sometimes it's like my heart starts to beat really fast. My hands get sweaty. I, I get a little excited. And I don't have to touch them. I sometimes just have to be near them. And sometimes that guilt when I'm near those things is like, oh, man, well, I can't even think about doing that. I, I wouldn't think about doing that to, oh, that, that little boy and that little girl who so look up to me to do the right thing or my wife who trusts me to do the right thing each and every day. And so that guilt comes in, and I'm so grateful for it. I, I know I don't belong there. I know I don't belong in that situation And I shouldn't take myself to those places, so I'm thankful and grateful. Why? Well, if we don't have that spirit pricking, touching, and convicting, we may find ourselves in lack or in need for more than 20 years, just like the Israelites. Maybe, you know, you might think, how many people, and I was thinking about this, how many people do we know that have been in sin and are comfortable with their sin for more than, pick a year, pick a number? How many people do we know? And it never, they never have the sense to repent from their sin. You know, it's a responsibility to repent from our sin as Christians. Scripture teaches us, if you want to, turn with me real quick to John 16. Just keep your thumb there in, in 1 Samuel. But turn to John chapter 16. I want to show you guys something. And we'll come back. John chapter 16. And we're going to look at verses at verse 7. John 16, verse 7 says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin. Because they do not believe in me. In verse 8, the key word reprove or or um, here convict, is a legal word that means to shame or to show as guilty. To shame or to show as guilty. To convict. You're convicted. You've been proven to be guilty. You feel as if you're awaiting judgment. And so you might think that in certain situations that, man, I feel like that. You know, when I, when I feel that guilt, I feel like, man, I'm waiting judgment for just even being tempted sometimes. Not that temptation is a sin, but you might be thinking or saying, well, I hate this feeling. I, I hate this feeling of guilt. I don't like this. I, I, I don't want to feel this anymore. And once you say you don't want to feel this anymore, well, man, you're on the right path. You're on the first step to restoration. Some of you may look back and remember a time when your relationship with the Lord was so rich and so full and you just woke up excited. You'd open your eyes and be like, yeah, I get to read my Bible today. Yeah, I get to listen to Christian music today. Or yeah, I get to go to church today. Some of you might remember that. You were so excited, rich and full and enjoyable that you were going to minister to the Lord in some way, some fashion. But now you think, well, the songs used to mean something and I remember when I really used to like that song. And, man, I remember I used to hold my hand up and sway back and forth. And I remember I used to be excited going to church. Now it's just kind of like, ah, it's just something I do. And so that would be a problem. You used to say, I used to love the fellowship. 
And now I just hang out with the same few people. And when they're gone, man, I'm gone. And witnessing. I used to love to witness. And man, that, that hasn't taken place in a long time. Maybe that's you. What's happened? What is happening? If that's you, well, you're recognizing something. You're recognizing the problem. Another way to see the problem is when you look at others in the faith. And you're like, man, I remember when that guy first came. And, and now he's like this. He's just growing in the Lord. He's doing well. He's doing awesome. But I'm not. I'm, I'm not anywhere close to him anymore. I used to be there, but I'm not. And that's another way that the Lord, the Holy Spirit, will say, hey, maybe you need to change something. Maybe it's time to restore something. Maybe it's time to repent. And you might say, I don't want to fall short in any good gift that the Lord has. And so if you recognize the problem, then you're going to repent at the prospect. You're going to repent at the prospect. Look at verse, the second part of verse 2 um, in, in 1 Samuel. Turn back there with me. It says, And all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. They lamented. They recognized that something happened. They were sad. What does that mean, lament? I mean, when was the last time you called somebody and said, Man, I'm really lamenting, you know? We don't use that word anymore, but here's what it means. It means a convulsive weeping. Not just, a, oh, man, I'm really bummed out, but a convulsive weeping where you're just, you know, you know when your kids get a spanking or they're really upset and they can't, and you can't understand what they're saying, you're just all like, dude, breathe, breathe, and you're waving air in their face and, no, no, and you're just like, oh, man, we're just going to take forever to get the information out of you that I need. That convulsive weeping, that's what that is. That's what they, they lamented because they are not where they want to be. It's not a whining. It's not, oh, man, that really stinks. Oh, I don't like it. Oh, man, I did this, I blew it. It's not that. It's not, it's not a spiritual whining. It's a major weeping. It's a major crying. And they come to that place where they are sick and tired of being sick and tired. Anybody ever been there before? You kind of look at your life as a, as a Christian. You're like, man, dude, it's just not my walk. I'm not there. I'm just so sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm sick and tired of just always feeling defeated. I'm sick and tired of just blowing it constantly. And so that's where these guys are. And when you come to this place, you're not tested and warned, but rather you're tested and wise. You're starting to smarten up. The Holy Spirit's saying, hey, I'm giving you a little bit of my knowledge. I'm letting you see you for who you really are, and I want you to change. And so with the testing, you should recognize that your sin did not satisfy. You know, the commercial Snickers always satisfy. Well, some people really think that their sins always satisfy. We get to a point in our mind where we think, man, I just got to do that one thing. It's just going to bring so much happiness. It's going to relax me. It's going it's to take me to the next level. And then you do it, and you're just like, man, why did I do that? I didn't do what I thought it would. I mean, yeah, it was about a half a second. It wasn't any good. And so I pray you grow out of your sins. I pray that we as a church grow out of our sins. And so hopefully you get tired of the up and down. You know, you're great with the Lord. One week, oh, yeah, man, Lord, I love you, and I can't wait to get to church. And then all of a sudden you go out, and, and, and you got a flat tire on the car, and you're like, man, God just hates me. And, and it's, it's a bipolar relationship with the Lord at that point. It's not good. It's not healthy. There's something that's missing. It's just up and down and up 
and down. And with the Lord, we know that he doesn't want that. So I've heard people say, yeah, my Christianity is a roller coaster ride. Man, only if it's exciting, not the up and down and the loop-de-loops. I mean, sometimes there are. You're going to have those mountaintop experiences, and you're going to have those low valleys. You're going to have that. But the way you view it shouldn't be like, it's good, it's bad. It should always be good in the lows, and it should always be good in the highs, and then there's everything great in the plateaus. Hopefully, we're always growing. Hopefully, we grow out of our sin. And so you might think that God hates me because last week I got a flat and then I got a raise. He must really love me. And we got to get away from that type of thinking. Don't let the circumstances and the situation dictate the style of your devotion. And we tend to do that. We let circumstances and situations dictate whether we're going to be devoted to the Lord today or not. It should be the same devotion every day, 100%. Just find yourself in love with God. Can you do that? Is that possible? Can you really be in love with God? Well, sure you can. Well, we just need to know that God is in control and should be given, and that should be like this given in our life, and He should be given our whole life, the whole thing, all of it. Circumstances are not why you know God, situations are not why you love Him. I love Him because His Word dictates what I do. It says He, he loved what? I love him because he first loved us, or we love him because he first loved us. It was his love that drew us in. And so we see that. I love him because his word dictates what I do. And it it makes my life a lot easier. I can look and say, okay, cool, i got to do that. I shouldn't do that. But it's more or less, I can do that. I can do this. This is awesome. I I can do that, Lord. I can go out there and tell somebody about you. Not that oh man, I I can't go hang out with my buddies at that place. It doesn't say that anywhere. I'll say this. If you're looking for what you can do for permission in the Scriptures constantly, if you're always looking to see what you can do or you can get away with or how much you can do, and you're like, well, you know, I'll find a verse for that, then you know what? Your relationship with the Lord is probably not where it needs to be. You should be reading and studying and saying, okay, cool, man, I want to... do the things that this guy does. I want to be like Eliezer and, and be that close to the presence of God. Have him in my house. I want to be like David when he was doing all the cool stuff. I don't want to be like the David in Psalm 51. But I want, I want to be like David. And maybe we should be like the David in Psalm 51, repentant. Because we're going to look at that later too. So circumstances are not why we know God and situations are not why we love him. So if restoration is first and repenting at the prospect that God is gracious, that he will not despise a broken heart, and you think about that, is that God doesn't despise a broken and contrite heart. He likes it. And we have to think about why did it take these guys 20 years? Why did it take 20 years for these guys to repent? Because in the book of Hebrews, the Bible tells us sin is deceitful. Sin will trick you into thinking that, hey, it's a good thing. It's a fun thing. And and we know, all of us know, that sin can be fun. It's just the end result of sin isn't so fun. Some of you may be in sin. Maybe you've had your sin a long time and you think you're stuck in it. But how long? How long are you going to be stuck in it? Don't you know that there's a point and a time that, hey, you know, it's going to come from 
from your spirit that you're going to say, I'm not doing this anymore. At some point, sometime, you should, it should be today. But at some point in time, you're going to just be tired of it. It's going to wear you out. It's going to own, you're going to be tired of being owned by it. You're the slave at that point. And so you hear others talking about victory and wholeness and joy. And, and you want to know how to get that. Well, look at verse 3. It says, Then Samuel spoke to all the house of Israel, saying, If you turn to the Lord with all your hearts, then put away your false gods and the Ashtoreths from among you, and prepare your hearts for the Lord and serve him only, and he will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. Let's notice the specifics. If you're taking note, write down the specifics. Number one, return to the Lord with all your heart. Not some or most of it, but 100% of it. Samuel knew the nation. The nation's made up of people. And if Samuel knows people, all he's got to do is know himself. You and I know people. They can't succeed if they didn't put the Lord first and trust in him only. So they couldn't succeed if they didn't put God first and trust in him only, 100%. So don't go to the Lord with only half or three quarters of your heart and willing to present it to him. He wants the whole thing. He wants all of you. All of you. Number two would be put away your foreign gods. Well, I don't have any of those, Mark. They're not foreign. Well, really? Hey, how about some currency? I haven't traveled. I don't have any foreign currency. Well, what about your money? See, idolatry had been Israel's recurring sin, and Israel had a tendency to worship the gods of their defeated enemy, which is crazy when you really think about it, because sometimes, I mean, they would. They would worship those gods. And they would pick up those gods and carry them around, and they would have their god. So they have their god. They have these other gods, and they would just kind of cover their bases. And you might think, well, I'm not like that. I believe in the real God. I'm here. I'm born again. That's okay. That's fine. But the Bible tells us, you know, what are those things in your life that need to be destroyed, that we need to deny ourselves? So what are those things that need to be destroyed or carried out to the garbage, turned off or even canceled? What are those things? You should have no other gods before me is what the Bible says. Anything you trust and you serve before you trust and you serve God, what he's saying is anything you trust and you serve before you serve me is a foreign God. Anything. Every book in the Bible holds meaning for us, even in our modern times. In 1 Samuel, for example, Pastor Mark has been teaching us about the power and sovereignty of God. Our Creator does what He needs to in order to accomplish His tasks, regardless of our involvement. How much better would it be, though, if we did step into God's plan for His world? God wants to use each of us to do incredible things for the kingdom. All we need to do is be willing. We're so glad you tuned in today to learn from 1 Samuel, and we'd like to encourage you to keep reading ahead. You'll learn a lot as you discover God for yourself. Another good place to hear and study the Word is in a church setting. Here's Tracy with a little more about what being in the body of Christ can mean for you. Joining a church is more than just showing up for a Sunday morning service. 
It's getting to know the people you're worshiping with. As the church body grows together in the love and teaching of God's Word, it will become a powerful and effective witness for Christ within its walls and beyond. If you're near Katy, Texas, we'd love to meet you Sunday at 10 a.m. at Calvary Katy. Visit comealiveradio.com to find out more and get directions. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast as well to keep up with the latest editions of Come Alive. You can find it on Google Play or iTunes. Thanks for tuning in today to Come Alive.